Good morning. The reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to, to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So today it's Epiphany, uh, it's the day where we recall the Magi or, or the wise men's visit to the young Jesus, as we've just heard in that reading from Matthew uh, chapter 2. Uh, lots of you will know of uh, Milton Jones, the comedian. Uh, he's often seen on uh, things like Mock the Week and Have I Got News For You, things like that. And he did a great piece uh, for the BBC a few years ago where he explains that he thinks that there were actually actually originally 47 magi or wise men and this is his logic he thinks that actually nine of them didn't even set off in the first place uh, because they looked and they saw this star and they said it was just a big conjunction of planets uh, Saturn and Jupiter and we can explain that scientifically and if you follow that therefore thinking it's something more than that you're stupid he also says that seven didn't set off on the journey uh, because they just didn't want to get involved. Uh, they said, you know, let's just leave it for another time. You know, this savour of the world thing, it's just all a bit near Christmas for us to get up and go now. Uh, so seven others didn't set off on the journey. But the rest of the wise men did set off. But 
He says that 21 gave up on the way because he decided that, that they thought it was just a metaphorical journey, uh, which actually shouldn't affect their lives massively. So they just gave up on the way. But those that were left, when they got to Herod, some of them decided uh, that Herod was the king, and, uh, and if he wasn't the king that they were looking for, it was all getting a bit complicated. So four dropped out at that moment because they were convinced somebody was going to get hurt. And the remaining people carried on to Bethlehem, to the stable, the inn, wherever Jesus and his parents were at that point. But, Milton Jones says, two walked out in disgust when they got to the inn because it wasn't how they imagined it to be and how the Christmas card showed it. Uh, But the remnant made it and got out their presents, gifts of myrrh, frankincense, and gold. And then even one walked out in disgust because everybody knows it's frankincense, gold, and myrrh. So only three were left, who came and gave their gifts to Jesus and bowed in reverence before him. You can hear Milton Jones's version of that on BBC Sounds, available on all good iPads. Um, I love this because it reminds me uh, that in and amongst the glossiness and the romanticizing that we have of the Christmas story, we're dealing with real people who, like many of us, are on a real journey to work out what on earth is going on. As they faced numerous choices along the way, they had decisions to make, like we all have decisions to make. They were real people, and some of them may well have dropped out on the journey to finding Jesus. Maybe some of them didn't want to get involved. Maybe some of them gave up. And maybe just a few of them made it to worship Jesus. Maybe a few of them found him to be the savior of the world. Real people on real journeys. So who were these real people? You know, I think our society, our culture today, often believe, believes it is really the most radical one in, in terms of challenging uh, social divisions and social boundaries. But God got there first. Through the birth narratives in all the Gospels, we see how God meets with and declares that he is sending a saviour to the lowest and to the highest in society. He meets with and he declares that he's sending his his saviour to a young single woman who had absolutely no standing in society, the lowest of the low. He meets with and declares he's sending a saviour to shepherds who were seen as outcasts. They they had to live outside the village because they could never go through the purity rituals that they had to to be part of the community. But also, he reveals that he's sending a saviour to magi, educated, astrologers, top of the pile, but from outside Israel, Gentiles. The Magi appear in the Gospel uh, only written by Matthew. And we know that Matthew was one of uh, Jesus' 12 disciples, but he was a tax collector. He had known what it felt like to be rejected by his own people, 
to be kept, in a sense, outside of their society. Because he worked for the Romans. He'd sold out to the other side. He collected taxes for them. And after Jesus' death and resurrection and after Pentecost, it's believed that Matthew uh, became a church leader to the Jewish community in Judea. And so his gospel uh, has a particularly Jewish flavor to it. it. And he links the story of Jesus to the Hebrew scriptures time and again, as he does in this passage in Matthew chapter 2. And Matthew is the only gospel writer who mentions the Magi. And I think this is incredible in itself, that the most Jewish of gospels chooses to mention that non-Jews were the first people to worship the baby Jesus, the Messiah, the fulfillment of the prophecies, the savior of the world. The fact that God chose to reveal the arrival of his son to the lowest and to the highest of society, to Jews and to Gentiles, speaks volumes to me of who Jesus is. Jesus is for people. He gathers. He doesn't divide. Jesus is for people. He sees beyond the label that uh, this world puts on us. Jesus sees beyond our financial situations or our work situations. He sees beyond our roles. He sees us as we really are, and he sees you and I as we really are. There's no hiding with Jesus. And he says to each of us, I am for you. Come and worship and bow down. Bring all of your stuff to me. Bring me your gifts and your talents. Bring me your faults and your failures. Come and receive my forgiveness. Receive my love. Receive me. I am for you. The Apostle Paul puts it beautifully in Galatians 3.28, where he's explaining that for everyone who has clothed themselves in Christ, Paul uses this language of clothing ourselves in Christ. That means for all who have received Christ Jesus as Lord. He says this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. In the same way that Jesus was for Mary and for the shepherds and for the magi, for the sick person and for the woman, for the rich man and for the thief on the cross, Jesus is for you and for me. I wonder if we know that at the beginning of 2020. Jesus is for us. Do you know that Jesus is for you if your life is going really well and is easy at the moment? When you have it all or you think life's a breeze, do you know now that Jesus is for you? Do you know that Jesus is for you if you're thinking, oh, life's normal, it's just another year? It's all a bit mundane or a bit boring and you're just plodding along. Do you know that Jesus is for you? And do you know that Jesus is for you if life is tough and painful at the moment? Jesus is for you. For those of us, of us who have found Jesus and found him to be our saviour, 
We can know that despite the pain and the joy of life, Jesus is always for you. His love is constant. Lots of you will know that uh, my mum died on Boxing Day, um, unexpectedly, really. Uh, she was an incredible woman of faith and life and joy, and uh, she just like sparkled. Um, she liked jewellery, so she often did sparkle a lot as well. But, but life was not always easy for my mum, and she faced some incredibly uh, tough times at various points. And that meant that like many of us, she questioned God and she railed against God and wanted to know why and wanted him to change uh, whatever situation she was in. But through her life, through the ups and downs that she faced, she managed to maintain an incredible positivity in her relationship with Jesus because she knew that whatever life threw at her, Jesus was for her always. And she knew that right up to the end uh, when she died on Boxing Day. She knew that Jesus was for her. Do you know that Jesus is for you? Real people, Jesus is for us. And those Magi, they went on real journeys. The Magi went on an actual physical journey. They set out from somewhere in the east and they followed the star to Jerusalem. But why did they even set out on that journey in the first place? Uh, they are a group of inquisitive, intelligent outsiders who are looking for answers in the stars and in the planets, who sought truth. And in so doing, they became part of God's big story. The Magi are like the, the spiritual searchers of their day. Uh, they could have been diverted many times on that journey that they set out on. But in the end, they pursued what they believed to be true. And they ended up in Jerusalem, first with Herod, and then in Bethlehem with Jesus. In pursuit of answers, they would have been asking constant questions, a bit like that annoying, irritating thing that three-year-olds do, where they always ask, why? They want to know. When I was a, a school chaplain uh, for a period of time, I used to meet up with this uh, girl who was in sixth form called Sarah, and she was a staunch atheist, uh, and, she and she was very, very clever. And she would come to my office uh, with a new question to discuss every week, uh, and it would be something like this. Is the God of the Old Testament the same as uh, the God of the New Testament, Mrs. Talbot? Uh, and what is the evidence for the resurrection, all my favorites? What is the theological explanation for God uh, sanctioning genocide in the Old Testament then. Um, loved it. I had to be like on top of my game the whole time. And she's gone to do great things in the world of politics. In all of our journeys through faith and life, questions will be thrown up for us on a regular basis. Whether it's in those moments of doubt where we ask ourselves, you know, does God really exist? Did Jesus really conquer death? Or why is it that it feels like God answers everybody else's prayers, but not mine? Or what does God really say about some of the issues that we're wrestling with in the church today? 
Or why am I or that person close to me facing this horrendously difficult time at the moment? Or maybe your question is, there must be more to life than this. I'm sure that the Magi, the spiritual searchers of their day, asked thousands of questions before and during and after that journey to worship the King of Kings. What is going on with that star? What does it all mean? Should we even set off in the first place? You know, what presents should I take? Might it tell me what my life is all about, this thing? How can there be Herod and another king? And then that big question that they asked when they got to Jerusalem. Where is the one that is born the king of the Jews? Their questions, their searching, it took them on a journey to discover Jesus. And they found him. And they worshipped him. Because they discovered him to be the saviour of the world. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Maybe you've been brought up in a Christian culture where you're not, you haven't been allowed to ask questions. Ask the questions that you have. God can take it. For some of us, our questions uh, might take us to doing the Alpha course or something similar. A chance to really explore who Jesus is, to get back to basics, ask those big questions of faith. For some of us, our questions might take us to a deeper level in our relationship with Jesus. Uh, Later on this term in March, we're going to be uh, running a course where it's going to be called the Experiencing Prayer Course. It is what it says on the tin. It's about experiencing prayer and experiencing a deeper level of intimacy with Jesus through prayer. Or maybe your spiritual searching at the moment will prompt you to decide just to slow down and to give your relationship with Jesus more time. For some of us, that might look like giving him five minutes a day to stop and just listen for him, to bring the sort of desires and thoughts and yearnings of your heart to him. Or maybe our searching will mean we commit to reading our Bibles more regularly. The Bible is just like a treasure trove of wonderfulness that will draw you into the presence of Jesus. Some of you might want to download the Bible in One Year app. Uh, you'll know if you've been coming to P's and G's for a while that I decided to do this in January 2018, and I finished it in October 2019. It took me a little bit longer than a Bible in a year, but it was a brilliant thing to do. There's a lot to read. Uh, but, you know, take on the challenge of a Bible in a year. There's also this new initiative launched by the Bible Society, Bible 2020. Again, it's an app or it's a website, do go and have a look at that. It's a challenge to get into reading the Bible in 2020. 
Some of, you, uh, some of you might enjoy something that we're starting uh, in the next few months called Bible Lab. Bible Lab is going to be a series of events that we're going to be putting on here at P's and G's that will help you to wrestle with some of your questions that you might have about the Bible. That's why it's called Bible Lab, uh, to really get into it. Like, you know, how did the Old Testament and the New Testament fit together? Or, or what really is Philippians all about? Or is, is the God of the Old Testament same as the God of the New Testament? And how reliable is the Bible? Can we really trust it? Do you listen out for, for that next week? The Magi asked questions. They went on a real journey because they wanted to find meaning. They wanted to find what it was all about. They wanted to find the King of Kings. And what happened when they found him? When they found him, their response was simply to worship him. It was simply to worship him. They bowed down and they brought all that they had, their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and anything else they brought with them. They gave it to Jesus. That's what worship is. It's just giving our all to Jesus. They probably hadn't had all their questions answered. They probably didn't still fully understand who Jesus was and his significance to the world. But they knew enough. And they knew that he was worthy of their worship. We might never fully understand everything. But we know enough. And we know that Jesus is the saviour that in him we can find grace and truth and peace and life. And he's worthy of our worship. 